welcome back to Well With My Soul, the podcast from Seven Vineyard about spiritual and emotional health. My name is Bern Leckie and today we've got our panel of switched on spiritual, very spiritual people who are shaking their heads and or nodding furiously depending on how they're feeling. And I'd like to know a bit about what you do normally and something else that you really enjoy that you haven't been able to do since the start of covid let's start with owen hey burn i am a church pastor and i also work as a physiotherapist and since covid started the thing i want to do is is get out of the country <laughs> i love it i love britain it's a great country but i i want to go and just kind of get out of the country go on holiday somewhere that would be that's one thing i definitely want to do anyone else with the same thing dan well, I'm going to continue the theme, Ben. Um, but just by way of introduction, I am also on the staff team at Seven Vineyard, and I lead a local charity called Bridges for Communities, which is all about connecting people of different cultures and faiths. And so, yeah, the thing that I'm missing is on the same track. And just before COVID hit us, I was due to take a group out to Jordan. It was about 15 people who had booked on, and we were going to go out there uh, to visit uh, projects working with refugees and learn about uh, Jordanian culture and language. And I was so looking forward to that because um, it's something I absolutely love doing. I love facilitating that. Uh, I just feel in my element when I'm, when I'm out there. And so we haven't been able to do it since, and we haven't got any plans to yet because everything just still feels too uncertain. And you might book your tickets and then, you have to pull the plug and if you're organizing that for a group it's even more complicated so it's something that i'm looking forward to again one day but it just feels like it's still not possible helen what about you i'm a play therapist which means i work with children just supporting their emotional needs do you know i was going to say travel but the one thing i really missed i had to go online working with my clients and I really missed actually seeing my clients face to face. So I'm just about there, but that was huge. Trying to work with young children online, just missing being with them. That was mm. the main thing. Anna, what about you? What do you do and what have you missed doing? I'm a children's physio and I'm also a champion for Home for Good. So I'm a part-time foster carer at the weekends and really involved in all things fostering. I think I've got more of a simple pleasures theme going on here. Yeah, you can keep your international travel, but there are two things that I'm missing. One of them, I love games, and there's a game called Speak Out, where you have to put a plastic stretchy thing inside your mouth so your lips are out the way, and then challenge each other to understand words and phrases that come up on the cards and it just doesn't seem right to play it because it involves dribble I know dribble could be a risk with covid also people have to take them out because they're quite uncomfortable these big stretchy things and then we get muddled up about whose was whose and that would be no good and yeah I just think mm, we're not back at speak out yet so uh, I look forward to that on a more serious note I'm still working each day in my NHS job in a mask, apron and gloves. So 
the sweat is unreal and I'm really, really missing being able to be free of the plastic and uh, just chat to people. It's quite hard working with children because they can't see your facial expressions. So I've got now got very expressive eyebrows. I feel like I've had them in training to try and show my emotions. So, yeah, I'm missing the freedom of my face in particular. Well, that's actually quite a profound thing that I think you've realised. It's the things that sound really trivial, but actually they've niggled you, haven't they? The fact that it, it means that you've lost some freedom and it means, and the fact that you've had to sort of think about things differently. Yeah, I think it makes work harder work, basically. And no one needs that. And how has that impacted on your relationships? I think particularly with new families that I'm working with, it's quite tricky. Sometimes when I'm outside their front door, I remove my mask and get the children to come to the door while I stay right back so they can see the whole of me. But certainly a lot of the children are wary of the PPE. Also, I'm a bit deaf when other people are wearing masks. So that's certainly a bit of a barrier in relationships. I think what you've touched on there is something we're going to come back to about how seemingly little things connect with much bigger things going on inside of us it's such a huge question this question of how do we deal with with pain and loss but i think what we're trying to do today is is come up with some good ways to get to grips with it and part of that involves digging into ourselves and finding out a bit more about about what those what those little things connect with that's bigger underneath and i think owen's talk covered quite a lot of that last week so I'd love to know from you first of all what has been the the most difficult thing that you've had to deal with losing in the last couple of years that's a big question um obviously because it's it touches on some deep nerves I guess but for me um although we didn't lose my dad we lost my dad uh in May of 2019 he died after having a major stroke in December the previous year so we had about probably about five or six months of him being um, at home nursed and with a, a great support team from the the sort of uh, the sort of social care team big shout out to what they those guys do day in day out of course we had around about well it would have been around about eight months and then the lockdown happened and just to some extent just watching my mom go through that having lost my dad and how you know the the person she shared her whole life with, well, all her adult life with, um, and then being forced into isolation and locked into her own home and just the pain of that and trying to process the grief and the lost while also um, struggling with, you know, being lonely and uh, at home, isolated from seeing anyone else. That was that was really tough. So, yeah, so for us, uh, just kind of trying to process that grief and loss of my dad in the family um, during lockdown. Yeah, I think lockdown made it harder because we couldn't get together to be together. Yeah, that was that was hard. And I still think, you know, we're emotionally processing that. Um, and, and I think that's natural. I, I said in, in my talk, uh, a guy called Jerry Sitzer wrote that um, loss by definition precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. So there's no going back to the past and you don't get over losing a loved one. You just absorb that pain and that loss into your life. And I think that that's, that's true for us. You know, we absorb that loss and, you know, still we kind of um, uh, lament that loss really and talk about my dad and we talk about the loss, he is, loss of his presence in the family. There's a gap there now in our family. Our family feels a little bit different, a little bit lopsided because his lack of gravitas there. 
um, and I think we we all miss him and we miss what he brought to us as a family as much as what we what we miss individually about him as well so yeah um, that's that's been a just processing that loss during lockdown has been deeply profound mm. I'm aware that for some people listening um, they will know what their biggest thing is that's caused pain and loss in the last year or two is it also possible though that that we end up suffering without knowing what it is that that's causing that i remember what it was like for uh, for when my grandmother died who was the woman who brought me up and it was about eight years ago now and i remember clearly getting upset at the time and one of the first things i did after a, a bit of a a chat and a cry with my wife is that I felt I needed to just go and go go somewhere else, get on a train, go somewhere, be somewhere else. Went to Bath to just to do something I wouldn't normally do, and end up I bought a big massive box of fudge, and I thought I'm going to feel better uh, after some fudge, um, and and I did, <laughs> and and I also felt better after I managed to bring it home and share it with other people. That made me feel better too now i know that's a sort of thing that i find myself doing when i know i've got bad news but sometimes i find myself wanting the same things that would make me feel better and i don't know what the bad news is has anyone ever ever felt that i I mean during covid uh, i was very fortunate that we that we didn't have any sort of deaths in our close family and i still had a job and I and actually had more to do than I had the year before, but but my stress level went right up, and something really made me want to have that same experience of just feel good, as if I was suffering a loss. So we ordered a whole ton of snacks and and, and things to munch on. Now, what's the pain and what's the loss? I, it's sort of a, it's not quite obvious to me what's causing that. But does anyone relate? Has anyone got any other sort of examples of where you've just noticed that you were feeling sort of off somehow and, and, and doing the things that you would do if you knew you were had something painful going on? Um, ben, I was thinking as you shared that about ways that um, actually we may feel the pain and loss of other people around us because we're in relationship, we're kind of fused, especially with those that we really love and are close to. And I think... What I felt almost kind of indirectly is the pain and loss my children have felt. And um, just over this period, I've been so aware of the anxieties and pressures that they feel where there's obviously this pandemic that none of us have experienced before. And it's really hard. You can't offer them any kind of certainty Um about the way things are going to go. And then on top of that, of course, last year, we also had a lot of focus on the Black Lives Matter movement and the focus on racial justice. And then on top of that, there's all the stuff about climate change. And I'm just kind of observing and I think absorbing as well some of the anxieties and and pressures that my kids are feeling. Um, But yeah, it's been painful to watch my kids deal with those anxieties and to try and kind of walk with them uh, through that. So yeah, indirect and sometimes I think subconscious pain. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, linking to what you asked, Ben, and what you've just said, Dan, is that sometimes we're not actually really aware of what's 
like we get triggered, isn't it? There's a loss, there's losses around us. It may not be our losses directly, or it may be something that's just made, I want to eat some fudge. But actually it's triggering perhaps past losses that we may have pushed down or may have experienced in process, but often, you know, we find that not being able to say goodbye to somebody might have just um, triggered disproportionate feelings to that actual moment in time. And I think with loss, we can sometimes push it down. Something little might bring up all the past losses that we may have just pushed down. Yeah, I um, when I listened to Owen's talk on the day that he did it, that was what occurred to me. I think I just embraced in my head the wider theme of loss and it took me down some paths in my brain. And I realized, well, I have realized over my years that exactly that, Helen, that now when I experience any loss, it's kind of a cumulative effect. So the loss that I am experiencing in the present it's almost like it stirs up all the losses from the past again. And there's a need for more processing, even of things I think I've dealt with and I think I've explored thoroughly and prayed through and talked through, they do come back. And I think um, that's what makes it difficult. I think there is the loss that one's experiencing, but there can be so much more. And it can feel a bit like, you know, why am I experiencing this so strongly or why is it so extreme? Because the current loss might not be that great, Mm. but all the others come back to, and there's a response within my body that I'm not expecting in terms of stress and tears and those kind of things. That's very interesting. And I think on one level, we love to be able to think we've nailed something like really dealt with, we use that language dealt with it as if it was like a problem that we could solve and then and then sort of put away. But I'm struck by, in the psalm that Owen talks about in, um, in his talk, he, he talks about Psalm 42, and the word why comes up six times in that psalm. Why? Why am I feeling like this? What, what's going on? Why am I so downcast? Why... And it's not like the writer of the psalm isn't aware of some of the difficult things going on and some of the losses that that he's had. He was a national leader. He he famously went into battle and would have lost friends, suffered from his own stupidity sometimes, as well as the the fact that he had enemies and uh, he wanted to do him harm. He knew all of that, but he was still coming to to God and and saying, why? Why? What's going on? I also noticed David's depth of what he's bringing to God and and that verse in the middle where deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's almost like he's he's opened himself up, whatever's going on and with all these whys and we don't know what all the answers are, but he's just opened himself up to be deep uh, with with God and, and, and allow some exploration of, of what's going on under the surface that you can't even put into words right now. I think that's really, really good to do as well. One of the things I've found that's really helpful is conversations with friends with a little bit of structure and just the word why. The word why when we're talking about how we're feeling about stuff. I, I've coached people for about part of 20 years and, and, I, and I avoid the question why a lot. 
because uh, because I know how sharp it is, and 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 yet, like all sharp things, it sometimes has a use. So I don't wave knives around, but I sometimes use them. And and why is a knife? Why is a why why is a tricky question that you don't just pull out in in the conversation because it makes people feel accused, and and it makes people feel defensive, and yet. Sometimes we take the knives out because there's something we need to do with them. And why is a good question that helps us cut through things sometimes, I think. And, and I wondered if, I, if any... Owen, would you like to volunteer? <laughs> would you like to volunteer? Would anyone like to volunteer to, to, for me to just ask them why a bunch of times about something that they've said that they're, they're missing or has caused them some pain? I, I, I don't mind volunteering. I Helen, you were saying that you were missing being face to face with your clients, having to swap that for Zoom meetings and all that wonderful stuff. Basically, I'm just going to ask you why a few times. So, firstly, I'm just remembering that you said that you felt some pain and loss for being separated physically. Why did that seem sharp to you? Well, I work creatively with children. So the underpinning approach is that with children, they don't necessarily have the words. So I would work using a a range of mediums that um, give them the opportunity to express through metaphor and symbols. So working with children where much of that was taken away initially felt difficult. So initially it was difficult for me on having to think about new ways of working. Yeah, to find new ways of working. Mm-hmm. And and you saw the effect that it had on the children that you'd work with. Yeah, later when that anxiety, because that brought a lot mm. of anxiety up. So I'm really aware of the anxiety of new ways of connecting. Mm. Later, I think going into a why I felt that maybe if you want to go deeper is a frustration of not being able to um, support them how I would have liked to have supported them. So we were very much. Um, cognitively and unable to necessarily step into some of their their deeper deeper areas of difficulty so so there was a real support issue and why did that feel painful to you personally Uh, it felt i I, i'm in the profession because i'm a helper i am a helper on the enneagram which we talked about in our last discussion and i want to help people and i want to see people repair feel better and so it just felt really difficult that I wasn't, I felt I wasn't being able to do as much as I would have liked to have done. I also just really missed seeing the children. I really missed the contact of getting down on the floor and working with the child and being with them. But I think mainly it was a frustration of feeling that I couldn't help them as much as I'd like to have helped them. Mm. And why did that frustration feel so big to you? I, I don't know if it goes back to what I just said, but I think it's because I, I do the role because I want to see people feel better to help them through very difficult times. Um, and so not being able to do that, not to be able to support, help, care, however words we want to use, mm. for me was frustrating, mm. not being able to help them. At the risk of a little more frustration... Because it's, it's it's it feels this is where it feels like it could get too repetitive and difficult. Why do you want to help? 
Well, I know that my, um, so going back to the Enneagram, is that the way my needs are met is often through helping other people. So not being able to meet, not only was I feeling I couldn't help my clients, but I guess I wasn't meeting my needs. Uh, and another frustration is that I thrive in relationship. Mm. So by not being in the uh, the relationship where I would, where I felt I was in a deep relationship, um, was was really hard. It, you know, we're talking about loss. It felt like a real loss. Not only could I not help as much as I would have liked to have helped, not only um, were my needs not being met, but not being in a in a, a an authentic. Well, it was a it was a relationship. It was a relationship. We had some really good relationships, but perhaps missing the relationship that I'd had and knew that I could have with my clients. Okay, so we've come a long way here. I'm not going to ask again. I could ask, why do you need relationship? But but I think we've already come a long way from why was this technical thing frustrating into mm. your very heart of mm. your your desire for relationship. And and I think this is probably something that you are already self-aware enough to know. But I found that when people have asked me, it's very helpful to get to go from the oh, there's this thing that I'm feeling rubbish about to why is that what's that connecting with and eventually get, get getting to something really important like that the other thing that strikes me about in what you're saying is this, this the process of asking why and blah 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 all that is absolutely hellish if it's outside of relationship if it, if we're doing it you know just as a niggle you know just because someone wants to know what demands to know why well go away <laughs> is how i would feel about that but inside, how, does that feel different inside a relationship to, to be able to share what's important? Absolutely. If someone would ask me why without any sense of trust and safety, then we probably are only going to go surface level. But when you're in a, a, a trusting relationship, definitely, I would, go, I would go deeper. One of the things that really helped me during lockdown was we set up triplets. And it was meeting together once a week with two other guys on Zoom. And in that hour, we had permission to share about, sit with our pain, talk about our pain, name it, express it in the presence of one another. It was a safe place. For us blokes, maybe particularly it was useful. It was like it was time bound. So we could only do it for an hour, right? It wasn't like this, we're just going to get together at the pub and just kind of drown our sorrow. It was like, right, for this hour... You've got permission to just share whatever's on your heart, whatever you're connecting with deep at a deeper level. You can be vulnerable and be open with one another. And it was really brilliant. And I, I watched just I watched it myself because I saw the benefit of sharing with those guys my own story. But it was great just to watch them as well, kind of talk about what's going on in their life and have that space. And every time there would be something along the lines of one of them would say, or I would say, that was really helpful to talk about that because I'd never realised that was going on in my life. But it was talking about it that enabled us to do that. Now, you can go and see a counsellor. And I wrote down in my journal, I'd like to see a counsellor, but it's quite expensive to see a counsellor. <laughs> so, so actually, uh, it was free. It, I got to realise that I wasn't the only one in the same boat. Other people have their own stuff as well. And, and actually, it built trust and, and intimacy you know, uh, in the best sense of the word, uh, between us and built a common bond. It was so precious um, that, you know, I just want to recommend that as a way of connecting with what's going on underneath the surface. It was really profound and it gave me, to me, it's what it's what 
a relationship should look like rather than just share it's great to share the throff and the kind of trivial it's brilliant it's brilliant we, we i love doing that but but sometimes it's good just to be a really able to be open and vulnerable in a safe environment and that's just been amazing hmm. one of the things that i think is amazing about a life of faith in god is our belief our shared belief that we can have relationship not just with each other with other people but with god isn't that pretty amazing and i think that's what we're seeing in david in his psalm the the outpouring of his of his heart in in a relationship could anyone share about how that relationship that we believe we have with god has helped in dealing with pain or loss or, or other kinds of deep difficulty I was going to say, Bern, that um, Owen talked, to, well, we, in the talk, he talked about lament. Mm. And um, for me, I, you know, as, a, as someone who's a follower of Jesus, I, I find it hard to imagine how I would process things without that relationship with God. You know, at my darkest time, I'm thinking of times where, for example, I had three miscarriages in a row and it was just this roller coaster of hope and then disappointment and grief and pain and then again the same thing and I it almost felt like it broke me but what got me through was being able to rely on the rock that was Jesus and to be able to bring my pain and my lament and my external processing to him I, I wouldn't have ever had a friend who could listen to me that much I cannot tell you how long it went on for and how deep it was. I've got great friends, but no one could have sat there for that long. So I think, you know, that's a it's a real, really beautiful thing to be able to take our pain to Jesus. It's hard, hard to let it out sometimes, but he is there for us. And yeah, such a blessing. Mm. It's always encouraging if someone's going through loss right now and they're listening to this just to say, you know, be encouraged. It won't always be like this. And people say, oh, it'll get easier. And you don't want to hear it. You can't hear that. It, it feels overwhelming at the time, but actually the landscape's changed and yeah, the landscape can still be good. That's really encouraging. Uh, I've, I feel very encouraged overall. So next week, with this in mind, that it's all for our benefit and encouragement, uh, we're actually going to look a bit more into the area of vulnerability and weakness. How can that be good? Yeah, Ben, I, I've got a, there's a story that I tell in next week's talk, which is about a water carrier who carries two pots suspended from a pole across his shoulders, and one leaks a bit and the other is just fine. And really, it's a story of contrasting uh, the broken pot with the perfect pot. And I think for many of us, um, well, I, I think probably for all of us, no, none of us expect ourselves to be perfect. And we know our brokenness and we know the cracks that we have in our lives. And uh, I think what's really great about this is recognizing that when we start to embrace those cracks, when we embrace those weaknesses, actually we become the fullness of ourselves. And, um, and, and that's what next, uh, our next conversation is gonna be about, is about how we embrace our weaknesses. I love it that we keep finding more good stuff in the things that look really hard. And, uh, and so we'll come back to that next week and we'll be chatting again after that. Thank you again very much for joining us and for listening. If there's anything that you would like to share with us, please email hello at sevenvineyard.org 
and we'll see you again next time.